Hello, welcome to the Sacred Ancestry Podcast. I'm your host, Thomas Worm, and I'm so excited to be blasting through your headphones, through your laptop, through your car, wherever you are. I'm so excited for my guest today. We're going to be talking about PTSD and firefighters, and uh, I'm here with Megan Lay, and she's the owner of uh, a foundation called uh, Tim's House for First Responders. And I'm just so excited for her mission because we're so in alignment with each other. And uh, yeah, let's get to it. So Megan, can you introduce yourself? I'm Megan, and I was a firefighter for six years. <laughs> um, and my family has been a fire, been in the fire service, God, for ugh, ever since I can remember. I kind of grew up in it. Um, I've gained friends, lost friends, um, very recently, and, uh, yeah, that's just a little bit about me, kinda. <laughs> yeah, and tell me, tell me more about how, uh, how the foundation came, came to be in, in kind of that story. So, in 2017, my mom messaged me when I was in school, um, asking if she could come pick me up. I was like, yeah, whatever. As a senior, um, decided to pick me up right before the last bell let out. And she had told me out in our pickup truck that my dad had taken his own life. Um, we assume it was due to all the PTSD and depression, anxiety, and everything that he suffered in his 18 years as a paramedic and 20 plus years as a firefighter. And, um, I, after my first year of grieving, I wanted to do something for my father, um, to kind of carry on his name. And with the support of my mom, my stepfather, my boyfriend, I was able to start Tim's house and it's just been going uphill ever since. Wow. That's, that's, uh, that's a really powerful story and I'm sorry for your loss and, and thank you so much for, for, you know, turning this, uh, this tragedy into something positive. Thank you so much for what you're doing. And, um, can you tell me more a little bit about what, what the foundation is doing and, and how you're helping first responders? So, like I said, we just got started up um, within the last two within the last two year and a half, two years. Um, so we're still working on building our name. Um, we have already done a couple fundraisers, and any money that we raise goes right back to um, our fellow brothers and sisters. Um, we help them, like, if they can't get the proper mental health uh, help that they need. Um, we are trying to help them pay for it. Um, like, you know, co-pays or anything this way that they don't have to pay right out of pocket because it's more important that they get the help they need than them not being able to afford it. Um, we also... Um, my boyfriend and I are getting a, uh, a big trailer. Well, not a big trailer, but, um, 
a cargo trailer to uh, deliver water and other supplies to surrounding fire departments for structure fires and things like that um, to make sure that they stay well hydrated and um, this way that they know that there is another resource for them out there to support them. Wow, that's so amazing. And, and are you get, planning on taking this cargo trailer like to fires and things like that, to incidents to help support them? Or what's that look like? We do plan on taking it. Um, right now we use our pickup truck and we just throw cases of water, cases of Gatorade in the back of it. And we have gone to many fire scenes. Um, my boyfriend is actually an active firefighter and he loves going and seeing the fires <laughs> and um he he really gets a joy out of going and delivering it to them as much as i do <laughs> wow that thank you so much that's pretty powerful and uh you know i want to hear a little bit more about your experience in firefighting and and what you took away from from the six years that you were in service and yeah can you tell me more about that Back home, um, in my hometown of Arnold, Pennsylvania, I started uh, helping out a lot at our fire department. Um, I was actually in the fireman's marching band that we had down there. And um, it was like, my, my dad was in that fire department his whole life, well, up until like three, four years before he passed. He was in that fire department, and that fire department was my whole life, and I got to, you know, see family come and go, um, and then I became a fully active firefighter when I moved around to where I'm at now um, with the fire department, Vernon Township, and I loved it there. My father was there and everything, and... Uh, after he passed, I was a little unsteady being at that department, so I unfortunately left that department and went to another one. Um, I have butt heads at this other one, but I mean, you're going to butt heads with anybody no matter where you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, um, and I had to leave, um, not of my own free will, but... You know, it's been better for me. I'm now a social member at my boyfriend's fire department. Um, and hopefully soon, within the next couple of months here, I'll be back to active service. Oh, that's amazing. That sounds so cool. And um, so how long has your boyfriend been fighting fire? Um, next week um, is his 20th birthday, and he will be in for five years. Wow. Yeah, that's a long time too. So I wanted to ask on, uh, you know, it sounds like this really was a family adventure. Uh, you know, father, uh, you, your boyfriend really sounds like you really grew up in the fire department. Tell me, can you tell me more about that? My, so my grandfather, um, I unfortunately didn't get to meet him. He passed before I was born. Um, he was in the fire department, um, in Arnold's fire department for forever. <laughs> he was a life member. Um, and then my, both of my other 
grandfathers, um, the one I grew up with, my biological one on my dad's side, um, they were involved in the fire service. Um, my mom's stepfather being an active firefighter and my biological grandfather on my dad's side being a, um, a dispatcher for the Hyannis, Massachusetts, uh, fire service. My mother was a firefighter for 16 years up until the day she had my little brother. And, um, like I had said, my father, you know, for 20 plus years and, you know, my aunts and uncles all do it. My cousins, it's, it, it goes back a long way. Wow, that's so cool, and uh, that's so similar to me. You know, I'm I'm third generation uh, with wildland firefighting, and uh, you know, my my grandfather and grandmother actually met. They were both fire lookouts and started by uh, messaging each other across the mountains and and met up for for a drink one night in Portland, and there you are. They they got married, and it's quite the story. And you know, my my father was a wildland firefighter as well, and. Um, so I, I know what it feels like to have it in your family and to have that, that fire element just in your blood, right? Yeah, it's been, it's all I've ever wanted to do. Um, I plan on going to school while going back to school and retrying for my, uh, EMT because it's always been my dream to be a paramedic. Oh, that's, that's so amazing. You know, and gosh, and the wildland fire stuff for me, it's like the, I'm, just in, in awe of all the city fire folks and the paramedics and what they do out there because uh, it's just so scary to me as a wildland guy. It's it's kind of funny because uh, when I run into city folks and, and uh, EMS, uh, they say the same thing about wildland, like we would never do that. Um, it's always interesting how the, uh, you know, kind of what you're seeing with, with people that you're helping uh, with the PTSD and, and trauma and, and what that, you know, how are people struggling? I have a, um, I personally have the diagnosis of PTSD um, from things I had gone through growing up. Um, for example, I lost my three, um, my three closest family members. I lost them in a span of 11 months. Um, I witnessed you know, I love my father, but I witnessed a small handful of domestic violence growing up. Um, and it caused me to grow up at the age of, uh, 11. I was thinking like a 30 year old. <laughs> um, so I, I kind of understand PTSD and how it works, but, um, I have a really good friend. His name is Robert and, uh, he's actually from Wyoming he is going through it real bad and it's gotten to the point where, you know, he's told me some things that, you know, I wish he wasn't going through, but unfortunately most times we don't get to pick and choose our emotions, um, things that stick with us. And, um, I've been doing a lot of reaching out to him. Um, there's a couple firefighters from Texas that have reached out to me, um, I have a friend from overseas in Ireland. He's reached out to me. We have um, a friend in one of our own, uh, actually in our own department that struggles with it, who's found the right amount of help, who is helping me form this. Um, it, it's just, we've helped about 
I think in the last year and a half, we've helped about eight first responders um, just cope with their PTSD, anxiety, depression, you know, things like that. Wow, that's so powerful. And, and you know, it's so in a line with what I'm doing uh, with Mountain Mind Tricks and, and my coaching business and uh, and the mental-emotional release technique that um, I'm studying. And I've also brought in a, a master practitioner that can do the technique now for my clients. And it's uh, it's really interesting. And what it does is is you kind of go into a meditative state and, and the practitioner helps guide you above, above your timeline. And you go back before, before the traumatic events and you don't relive them like most treatments, but you uh, see them from a very far distance and, and you actually release it and you let it go. And it's uh, and then you come back through your timeline and you let go every single traumatic event um, without reliving it. And that's the important thing is without reliving it, you can release these traumas. And, and when you get back to now, um, releasing your timeline, uh, most people have felt uh, like so much relief. One to two sessions have been giving people um, a, a crazy amount of relief from the PTSD, from, from the anxiety. Uh, it's just really powerful. And, and when I found out about this, I... I said, this is my mission. I have to bring this to the fire service because it's so powerful and the results are so fast. And, and, and really what I see, you know, in the future for this is, is almost every department has, has a mental, emotional release, uh, practitioner around that they can call to help people release the trauma. And, you know, from my understanding, you release everything in the past, but that doesn't mean, you know, going forward on the next calls, there could be more trauma, right? Every single call, there's potential for that trauma. And it's just like a, a maintenance every one or two years going back to this technique and and releasing those traumas and coming back to center. And uh, I'm really excited for what you're doing. And and uh, and I just think we're in such alignment in this, this mission to help first responders with their mental health. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of want to hear more about, about how it seems so hard and the culture is so resistant to talking about mental health. Can you say, can you talk more to that? I think that in today's society and functioning, people think that if they talk about their emotions or how they're feeling, they're viewed as though they're not as high as a person as they're originally viewed. Um, but that's wrong. If you sit there and you, you know, you talk about your emotions, you talk about how you're feeling. I mean, not just, you know, the typical cry for help, but if you're, if you get back from a call and, you know, you're real sad about it or something happened and you just want to get it off your chest, it doesn't make you any less of a person. And I think that that's where people don't understand is, you know, something could happen in an hour from now that affects every single one of us. I mean, okay, so think back on 9-11. A lot of people were lost that day. A lot of first responders and civilians had witnessed a lot of things that nobody should witness. And that every single one of them deals with PTSD from it. They... The way that the country came together back then 
for all of our first responders, is the way that our country needs to continue to come together for the first responders that are struggling with PTSD, mental illness, etc. Because first responders don't need to feel like they're on the bottom end of things. They're the ones out there on the front lines helping, you know, save, you know, your mother, your brother, you. It just, it makes no sense to me why our country doesn't come together like that anymore. Yeah, I 100% agree that that camaraderie, that family feeling we had that day on that tragedy, um, you know, I think we all think as a country, why can't we have that now when there's no tragedy? You know, I think it'd be so amazing to come back together and, and like you're saying, really support our first responders and for everything that they do because they are our heroes. You know, they do save our families, our our friends, our children, our houses, right? Uh, it's so important and such a, such a selfless service and, uh, you know, just want to thank all the first responders out there for everything that you do, because without you, it'd be a lot harder. And uh, so I've I've had a question come up from a couple first responders that I've worked with, and and this is a very touchy subject, and it's a very taboo thing, and and I think it's kind of at the root of of what's going on here. And I want to get your opinion on this. Um, and I'll start with, um, you know, for me in my practice, I'm, I'm, I really focus on a holistic wellness. Um, you know, once the PTSD is, is released through the, the MER process that we talked about earlier, um, I really focus on like a mind, body, spirit, uh, wellness program and to build these healthy habits. And, and, and one of the things that is, uh, what I've heard a lot, especially EMTs and paramedics, is that there's times when they see spirits leaving bodies. And it is something that nobody will talk about. And nobody really knows or thinks they're going crazy, right? Um, when they see these things. And and for me, as, as a spiritual person, um, there is something going on there. These people aren't crazy. The first responders aren't crazy for seeing this. It's possible. Um, and I just wanted to get your your reaction, your response, and to see if you've ever heard of that before. Um, and I, I've had people tell me this, you know, EMTs, city firefighters in private, right? Um, but it's a very taboo subject. So when I graduated high school, I came out of high school with my certified nurse's aide uh, certification. And I started working at a nursing home immediately out the bat. And, you know, in a nursing home, there is unfortunately a lot of passings. Um, the times that I have been, um, with a resident when they did pass, I have seen that. Um, it's a very, it's a very weird thing to witness. Um, not something that any amount of training, any amount of reading, movie watching, you know, nothing can prepare you for that. And I think that's where, you know, first responders, um, are nervous to talk about it because people will think, oh, you know, you didn't really see it. You know, you're just, you're just making it up. No, it's not made up. It's completely real. I have seen it in just about every single resident I've lost. 
and I mean ones that I've done you know CPR on for half an hour I've I've seen it happen and it's the it's beautiful but it's startling at the same time because you know that they're at peace and it's just it's so startling to actually see it because you hear about it in the movies you hear about it in talks with friends and you never personally imagine to see it right and this is this is what i've heard from from a you know some first responders that i've worked with and talked to is that this is kind of the base of the the PTSD because it's so startling it's so shocking to see this in these you know repeated car accidents and in uh you know all those calls that that come through for the first responders and that there is no training there's nobody to talk to you know the therapists out there have no idea they don't believe you right there's no real support for this in a spiritual way and and, you know, in my training, I, I have a mentor right now that's a, a shaman into, you know, um, he's an acupuncturist and, and does a lot of Chinese medicine and things like this. And and through his training, it's like there is techniques, there's ways to, you know, protect yourself and say, this is my energy and this is your energy. And, and I'm sending you love on your journey while you pass, you know, and I think there's there's room for first responders to, to um to, you know, have tools to help them deal with this, this really hard part of the job that no one wants to talk about. Yeah, no one really, like you said, the therapists that you can even try and go to, they don't even understand. I mean, I had one, um, she, she was amazing, honestly, she was very nice, very insightful. But when I would try to talk to her whenever I worked for the nursing homes, um, I'm a security guard now, so I've kind of gotten away from all of that. Um, She didn't really believe anything I was telling her. Um, I would try to, you know, there were a couple residents that I had gotten close to them and their families, and losing them was like losing my own family. And when I would try to talk to her, she was, oh, you shouldn't get so close to your patients you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that. Kind of in the field that we all work in, um, it's kind of difficult not to get close to them. Um, I mean, it could be anything from, you know, when you get called for a child who fell off their bike. I mean, you have no no other feelings other than to feel close to them. you got to form some kind of bond with them. And anytime you form a bond with a patient, it, it sticks with you no matter what happens to that patient. It could be something, you know, they fell and broke their arm to having to do 45 minutes of CPR. And, you know, say they're a person who frequences on the ambulance and you have gotten to know them. And next thing you know, you know, you're doing 45 minutes of CPR and it's just earth shattering having to do it to someone that you've gotten so close with it's like you're doing it to your own family yeah that's uh you know i've never been in that situation and and gosh i just can't even imagine how hard how hard some of the things that the first responders out there are dealing with and yeah doing cpr on your on your own on your own crew is is uh is a really tough thing um and yeah i just want to say thank you so much for like for for talking about this and being open to to this really deep conversation because uh you know most people really aren't 
open to talking about that and thank you so much like seriously it's it's a really powerful just to hear like you know because i know it's i've heard i've heard of it you know in nurses and er doctors and all of that and and of course like we talked about the first responders but um yeah thank you so much for for talking about that you're welcome i mean if if one person can bring light to it then they should and that's just how i kind of feel about it (laughs) yeah yeah and uh so so tell me more about kind of what your your grand vision is for this foundation you know i know you're you're probably about a year in or so is that what i believe you said and and what do you see in the future for this foundation um so we've already been doing um different fundraisers to get our funds up um we want to have mandatory my main goal is to have mandatory trainings established it can be you know a once a year thing uh, just based around mental health in the first responders um i have personally offered to travel to go and visit these places uh, police departments dispatch centers ambulance bases fire departments i've offered to go out there and talk to them not only about what the organization is about, but also, you know, the proper resources that are out there. Um, kind of bring light to what it is. This way we don't have to hide in the shadows of this anymore. We need to hit it basically nail on the head. We need to get in front of it. This way we don't lose any more brothers and sisters in the way that we have. Yeah, that sounds so powerful, this mandatory training. I've I've thought of that often myself of, of having some sort of, you know, we have a, a lot of wellness programs in, in the wildland fire programs and in the city fire people. And, um, you know, I think, I think adding to that wellness program should be some sort of mental health awareness, uh, mental health, um, you know, help for people that need it. And, and the programs now with the EAP or the employee assistance programs, you know, from my experience, from people I know that they just, there's pretty much zero support, even every, even though everybody tells you there is, uh, it's a really hard system to go through and actually get support through. And, um, you know, I think there's a lot of room for, for improvement, like you're saying for mental health training and, and mental health and, and, you know, some of the things that uh, I work with with my clients is is peak performance and, you know, getting getting the PTSD released through the MER and then really focusing on this peak performance and flow states, just like a professional snowboarder or a professional basketball player, like same ideas, but applied to city fire, EMS, wildland fire of you're so focused in the moment on the task at hand and you're still like taking in everything around you at once. And it's, it's a really powerful state of consciousness that you can be excellent in your task. Right. And so I've, I've been really working with this peak performance and um, helping first responders be safer and being more uh, proficient at their job in a, because they're mindful of what's happening inside them and outside them at the same time. That makes sense. Have you ever heard of something like that? Peak performance, flow states um, with first responders? Well, folks, uh, sounds like Megan's headset dropped off. Uh, We lost her technical difficulties. Sorry about that. 
mid-conversation. God, it was just getting good, wasn't it? And uh, so, yeah, I'm going to wait here for a few more minutes. And so we're going to wait out the technical difficulty here and see if we can get going again. And, uh, yeah, thank you so much for, for listening. This is a really good, really good uh, show. I'm really excited about this. And, and gosh, Megan's story is so powerful of being in fire for so many years as a whole family. I mean, grandfather, grandmothers, father, aunts, uncles, uh, just, I'm just amazed at their service, uh, as, as a family, as a community and, and what she's working on right now with mental health and first responders. So powerful. Like I am so glad to have her on the show and, and, Tim's House Foundation is, uh, you know, hopefully we're going to be an ally and, and work together and just help as many people as possible. Well, looks like uh, Megan's technical difficulties didn't get solved, so we're going to have to call the show at this point. And thank you so much for listening. And, and uh, you know, really, I just want to go back to what I was talking about and in that this process for first responders that I use for my clients is, is breaking through the PTSD with this mental emotional release uh, technique and, and releasing all the traumatic events in your timeline without reliving them over and over again and just releasing total release of, of the PTSD. And then I work with with the first responders in a 12-week integrative coaching program, which means, you know, building life skills, holistic wellness skills in in mind, body, spirit, Um, so fitness programs, uh, eating healthy, as well as building, you know, peak performance skills, building mindfulness skills uh, through meditation, guided meditation. Uh, even go into some hypnosis uh, for peak performance, flow states, those kinds of things. And then we work on leadership skills and building confidence and really building that joy. And when we put all this together, it just creates such a powerful first responder. They can go serve their community, but most of all, they can come home safe and serve their family for the highest good. And uh, that's my mission with this, you know, PTSD, first responders, uh, and helping so many of you out there. And and I just want you to, to reach out if you can. If you need help, I'm here for you. I want to help as many of you as I possibly can. And uh, you can find me on my personal page at Facebook is, is Thomas M. Worm. You can find me, uh, Mountain Mind Tricks, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And you can find me at mountainmindtricks.com. And uh, thank you so much for listening. And we'll talk to you soon. And seems like we're going to get Megan on here as soon as possible in the next couple of days, next week, to uh, finish this wonderful interview. So thank you so much for listening. And uh, sorry about the technical difficulties, but uh, we'll get it figured out and we'll get you more information. So love you all. Sending light. And go find your sacred ancestry. <laughs>